0: This week on The VergeCast, we have a bunch of new and strange Apple App Store policies. We have a new Surface event and Windows 11 coming from Microsoft. And I promise, a bunch of fun, strange gadgets at the end. That's all coming up on The VergeCast.
1: Support for the podcast comes from Canva. Presenting to a group of your colleagues can be nerve-wracking. So why not ease some of that anxiety with Canva? Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and that's it. You're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com, designed for work.
2: Support for this show comes from Slack. Slack. grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.
0: Greetings, mobile accomplishers. Welcome to the Vergecast, the flagship podcast of Clause 3.1.3a of the App Store Rules. I am your friend, Dieter Bone. Uh, The fact that you're listening to my voice probably gives you a hint that Neelai is not here. He had to go deal with some Ida's stuff but don't worry he his family are okay but uh that means that we are without him but we've got alex kranz here
3: yes i am the one 5g band you didn't know existed oh my
4: god <laughs> uh, we also have Gartenberg. hello i will probably be ranting about usbc at some point in this podcast
0: <laughs> it's not even on the the docket
4: i will make it on the docket <laughs> <laughs> you knew what you were getting into
0: Yeah. Beyond USB-C, we have a lot to talk about. Apple changed 50 App Store policies. Uh, We have a uh, Surface event and a Windows 11 release to get through. And um, apparently, we're going to talk about some USB-C. But first, as always, uh, COVID-19 is still one of the biggest stories in the world. Um, We've got a few things that have been going on. Um, There has been a bunch of drama over at Reddit. There was a bunch of Reddits that sort of went dark and Reddit finally went and banned an anti-vaccine subreddit called No New Normal. I noticed that if you typed IV into Amazon, it auto-completed a whole bunch of uh, ivermectin results so you could go and buy horse goo.
3: That seems bad.
0: I was very angry about that. So I asked for comment. About 12 hours later, they got back to me and they said they're going to fix it. I actually haven't checked to see if they fixed it today. Um, but what they're not fixing is if you land on one of those ivermectin pages to buy for you know veterinary reasons, there's no information boxes there. If you search for it, there's no information boxes on the search results. You have to know the secret code. You have to search for ivermectin for COVID, and then they will show you a link to the FDA saying don't do it. Well, that <laughs> seems helpful.
3: That's how I search it when I go yeah. to get my horse dewormer.
0: Also, uh, there's apparently a liquid oxygen shortage uh, in certain areas uh, for safe sex and also water utilities because so much is needed for hospitals because uh, that's happening again. There are lots of uh, surges and uh, hospitals are on the verge of being overrun in lots of areas. Uh, We also have kids going back to school and there's mask mandates and like anti-mask mandates and it's all a big mess. And if people would just go get vaccinated, we could have our party. In October,
3: and wear a mask.
0: Yes, and wear a mask. Get vaccinated. Wear a mask. Just do the basics for just a little more. We're please. we're so close. Please, and we really want to have this party that we're throwing in October. Uh, you can still go get tickets for that, uh, and we're still planning on doing it. So uh, please get vaccinated. Get the second vax. Wear a mask. The yes, end. but. I have no transition for this. Uh, We're going to talk about Apple's App Store policies and sort of uh, Apple stuff in general because they also had this thing with state IDs. So let's start with the first thing. So Apple did like two things, and there's a third thing about to happen related to the App Store. But let's start with the first one, which was Apple settled a $100 million lawsuit. Haim, can you walk us through what was this lawsuit and and what was this
4: settlement? So Apple, there was a class action lawsuit from... Uh, a variety of developers uh, who said that the App Store was a monopoly, that Apple was, you know, being unfair. It was an improper monopolization of the market. Uh, It was filed in 2019. And Apple is settling that lawsuit this week with a $100 million settlement that includes clarifying some of its policies about some rules on iOS. Uh, They're making a $100 million fund to developers, $30 million of which is going to be used to pay lawyers. And if you're a smaller iOS developer, you'll you'll probably get some money out of this. They're also going to do things like not change how App Store works for for a minimum of, I think, three years. And they're going to keep the small business, the App Store small business program, which says that if you earn less than one million dollars a year, you can apply to get 15 percent cut of your sales instead of 30 percent. So that will stay unchanged for the next three years also in its current form, which is if you make less than a million then you can do that the day that you go over and, you know, you make a million and one dollars, you're once again subject to the 30 million, uh, the 30 percent cut. So that's not changing in either direction. Uh, and there will be more price points for apps. So instead of selling an app for like a dollar, you'll be able to in theory sell it for like a dollar 50 or a dollar 80. Um, there's like you know, more than 500 price points coming. Right now, there's 100, so.
0: I see. Okay. Well, before we, before we like, talk about it, is this a good thing? We should just talk about how this settlement got announced. So, uh, reportedly, they gave uh, some reporters a heads up that there was going to be an announcement. This is a thing that all companies do, Apple included. And then, so, everyone showed up to the call. And typically, when you get on one of these calls, they're like, all right, here's the announcement. You're under embargo. You can't tell anybody. Uh, We're going to talk about it so you understand what's going on. And then you'll have some amount of time, which can vary, honestly, from minutes to hours to days before you write about this thing. Less often, although it's not completely unprecedented, you get on the call and the moment you're on the call is when the press release goes out.
3: Those are my favorite.
0: That is apparently what happened. We were not on this call. And so it was a late night sort of mad scramble to understand how big a deal this was, what the rule is, uh, what's changing, how much money, et cetera, et cetera. And I will admit that I got snowed. Uh, I tweeted that there, this was a big deal, uh, specifically that Apple said that they were going to let developers tell their customers that there were other ways to pay them outside of the App Store.
3: I don't know why that's funny to me. It's just like people, people, you you can pay for apps outside of the app store. There are other ways, but I love that there was just like this idea that like, no, it's forbidden, forbidden knowledge. Well, the the thing that was
4: forbidden is actually even wilder because the thing that was forbidden is before, if you... Have an app, I you have an app and customers sign up in that app and they give you that email address. The app store rules before like and, and you check the box you know, I'm giving you my email address. You can contact me. The app store rules before was if you used your app to get that contact information, you could not use it to contact customers outside of the app. And that was the big <laughs> thing that they clarified was now you are. So, yeah
3: that doesn't feel like a win for me, personally speaking. Well,
0: so that's the thing, right? Uh, but a lot of people are saying it's not not a change. But it was, like Apple said, it was a clarification. It is, mm-hmm. in fact, a change, a very tiny change. But previously, if, like Heim said, if you got the email from the app, you were not allowed to use that email to email your customer and say, hey, if you want to pay me directly, you can. And now they are allowed to send that email outside of the app to tell customers that there are other ways to subscribe to their service. Um, this is not, you know, if you're just selling an app, an, an alternate way to pay. This is if you've got just a service like, I don't know, Netflix or Joe's cool ebooks.com, pretend we live in a world where there's not an ebook monopoly um, or, you know, whatever, you in theory could now email your customers because of this settlement.
3: That's yeah. nice. I mean, a lot of them have already kind of got around it by making you do an account, right? Right,
0: but that gets complicated yeah. for
3: other <laughs> reasons. This, okay, this does actually sound kind of nice, maybe, because now I don't have to sign up for an additional account that you're forcing me to sign up to so you can farm my email. You just get it directly to s- send me emails.
4: You have to sign up for the account, though, because otherwise how are they contacting you in the first place to tell you that there's another way to right. like You have to have signed uh, up through the app first, such that if they already had your email address, like if you had gone to, to Joe's already and like Joe knows you exist, he would not have been subject to the original rule anyway. This is for people who have like signed up in the app, given you their email address, and then, you know, you wanted to reach out and be like, oh, you can pay a different way. Okay. It's a very fine hair, Apple splitting here.
0: Th- yeah. The
3: finest of hairs, baby fine.
0: Yeah. So this was August 26th and then just like days later i want to i want to say it was like a day later but it was not it was um september 1st the next shoe dropped and it is related to the very topic that we were talking about so what happened next
4: next there was a whole thing in south korea there was a new bill that had passed for apple and google which will relate to this coming in a minute yeah but the next big thing was that apple announced in response to an investigation from the japan fair trade commission that it would now be allowing reader apps, which are apps like Netflix or Spotify or Amazon's Kindle apps, which let you view content but without payments in them, can now directly link their customers to their own sign-up website within the app. So right now, today, if I open Netflix and I'm not a Netflix customer, there is no way for me to find out from that app page that there is any way to pay for Netflix Um, from an iOS perspective. There's no link saying go here to sign up. It is an app that assumes that you already subscribe and pay Netflix in some way that Apple does not know exists. And then you can log into that account and view it. So the new thing is you're allowed one link. Yep. One link. (laughs) Just one? One link. And, you know, you can find out through whatever link that you can sign up there and and then come back to the app and sign in and, and watch your Watch the Witcher, your Netflix show.
3: So it's only to sign up for an account if you don't already have an account to something like some of the largest services in the world.
4: Well, it's it's not necessarily the, the largest services in the world. It's anything that's a reader app.
0: Right. So we need to there, – there's a bunch of <laughs> layered things to discuss here. Um, mm. The very first thing, before we get into the legalese and reading the press release, which is not, by, by the way, a like legal document. It's a press release. Before we get into that and we get into 3.1.3a and the difference between A and B and C because not only are the reader apps, there's also, also other things. Before we do all of that – Let me just ask a fundamental question. On April 26th, Apple made a tiny concession that developers were allowed to say to their customers, hey, we exist and you can pay us in ways outside of the app store, but only via email outside of their app. And then, math, four or five days later, they then, in the same category, say that around the world, you are allowed to admit that you can make and set up accounts outside of the app store and have a link to do so. Basically the same issue. Why are they doing this so piecemeal?
4: The best answer I can give you is that these are specific changes that are being made to very specific investigations. Uh Uh-huh. Like the... The $100 million payout was a very specific thing to address very specific concerns in that lawsuit. Uh And this one is a very specific change that is being made to close the investigation from the JFTC. Like the JFTC wrote in their press release that this agreement, this move by Apple eliminates the suspected violation anti-monopoly app, which it's been investigating for over five years. And, you know, Apple doing this is good. All is all is forgiven. They're they're making the changes that they have to to keep the app store running broadly the way that it does.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So did the JFTC just kind of say the monopoly is oh, there was a monopoly that the monopoly is now over or there was just a very specific part of the monopoly that offended them. And now that one very specific part is over.
0: So <laughs> remember how we talked about how we um we got a bunch of people got snowed by the original small change yeah. here we thought it was bigger than it was with this change we chose to wait for the Japan Fair Trade Commission to post its statement on this settlement. We have Sam Byford in Japan, so he could, like, read it in the original Japanese. Um, we do have a translation here. Uh, they said the move would, quote, eliminate the suspected violation of the Anti-Monopoly Act, uh, and that Apple is also going to need to, you know, check in, I think, once a year to, like, make sure that, yep, no, you're still, you're still not doing bad stuff.
3: You monopolizing? All right. You're good to go. <laughs> but, again, I just, like... <sighs> Sometimes
0: there are lawyers, all the time actually. All the time, and when there are lawyers, they have a job, and their job is to keep you from doing stupid shit. You're going to get sued for, and they're very good at it. And so, when the lawyer says "ah, ah easy there," uh, it is smart to be like, "Okay, we're not gonna we're gonna listen to the lawyer." Um, and that's what this feels like to me. That there's a there's an overall thing that Apple wants to do with the App Store policies. And that thing is not changing them, <laughs> I yes. guess, but they know they need to. And so to me, the answer here is make a decision as a, a leader and say, this is what we're going to do. And then when the lawyers say, ah, 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 you can override them if you want to, or you can like work with them to do the thing. But. Instead, we're just getting these little tiny piecemeal changes here and there and here and there. And it's just, it's hard to know, like, is this meant to, like, be part of an overall evolution of the App Store policies? Or is it just like, we got to do these things because of these specific little, you know, this lawsuit and that regulator in Japan, and we're going to talk about Korea in a minute. And like, we're just going to make these little concessions and in the tiny places where we are forced to, but we're not going to change the overall structure. To me, the answer is like change the overall structure. Inside that rubric, you make some changes here that appease a bunch of the different things that are going on. And then everybody feels good. (laughs) To me right now, everyone feels bad. I don't know who's happy right now.
3: I mean Apple. presumably Apple, right? Yeah, I, like, they
0: don't they don't seem happy. I don't know. I'm reading their stuff and it's like, oh
3: well, Apple is very happy because like they're being dragged, kicking and screaming from this mm-hmm. monopoly they've created and they're gonna fight it to their last dying, they won't die. They're gonna fight it to their last <laughs> app store mon- monopoly. You know, like this This makes total sense to me just because they don't want it to change. They're only going to change when somebody's like got them against the wall and are like, you can't operate in Japan anymore. And they're like, OK, OK, what's this tiniest, tiniest amount we can change to operate in Japan? And they're like, OK, you can do this. Like th- that seems to be what the thing is. They're like, OK, we'll do the tiniest effort and then we'll announce it because we have to announce it. And then we'll hope that you're so confused and baffled by all of it (laughs) that you just get really excited for the next Apple event.
4: It's putting out the small fires before any of them turn into like a much bigger problem. You need to concede this organization because Apple wants, you know, the Japan Fair Trade Commission to be happy now while it's still investigating, not after it's concluded that Apple is, you know, a legal monopoly and that it needs to radically change the App Store.
0: Yeah, I suppose, but I mean, I don't know if we're if we're gonna do a fire metaphor, which, by the way, is uh, hits a little close to home uh, out here in Northern California. The answer to solving little fires is you make sure that they don't spread, and so you like you do a systemic solution of like making sure that the fires, like the forests, are managed in such a way that the fires don't. I don't know anyway.
3: Do you think there's like because there's also I also keep thinking about like the Apple versus Epic trial. We're expecting. To hear back on that any day yes. now. And this feels like gonna be an impact to that. And I wonder if like part of this is, well, we're doing this because we have to, because the JFTC is right here, right now, and we have like a deadline. Right. But the original the actual plan is like staying as condensed as possible, changing as little as possible. Yeah. Until this thing comes out and they either have to change it or they can continue on
0: well, and there's the there's the Apple versus epic trial. There's also any number of bills uh, yeah. coming out you know <laughs> running through Congress right. no, no, like you know yeah. like, that Apple shouldn't be allowed to uh, sell apps on the same thing that it makes a platform on, right like like there there's all sorts of stuff that's being proposed right now, some of which is more serious than others, but all of which is about putting pressure on Apple to do something with the App Store and um it just all it all feels like a defensive crouch to me
3: it's shocking a little too cuz apple is so good at pr like they 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 know how to get a message across when they want to convey it they know how to shape the story generally speaking and here it feels like really there's almost something at odds internally in the company cuz you're like okay who's driving this particular ship this is a mass, has a massive impact on on the company overall. And it's just like, I'm not used to seeing Apple be dragged kicking and screaming like this. It's unpleasant to watch. Well,
0: speaking of kicking and streaming, screaming, (laughs) kicking and streaming, because we're gonna talk about streaming apps. Uh, Speaking of kicking and screaming, I do wanna briefly point out the claw, the thing that Apple said in its press release about allowing developers to have a link out to create an account. Uh, Before this change goes to effect, in early 2022, oh. not yet, <laughs> Apple will update its guidelines and review process to make sure users of reader apps will continue to have a safe experience. While in-app purchases are the best, you know, blah, 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 Apple will also help developers of reader apps protect users when they link them to an external website to make purchases. I don't know what any of that means, uh, but it definitely is, is not just, yep, you can have a link. You can have a link out to, to make accounts if you want to. Like, it is, there is some sort of guideline and review and approval process still happening here. And we've seen what that looks like with these so-called reader apps before. When you open up Netflix, Netflix is like, hey, we don't work. We know that sucks. And then that's it. They don't, they don't say, you could go make an account. they just like, this doesn't work. Sorry, because that's all they're allowed to do under the current rules. So what will the rules be for the link out it's very unclear. We don't know yet. And I don't, I don't know if Apple knows yet, but it seems like there's going to be rules.
4: Yeah. Also like, how does this affect like some quote unquote reader apps that do let you purchase things like Disney plus, not on, not on iOS, I think, but like that's Disney plus as a surface lets me buy movies sometimes. Like that's a digital good that I can buy and, and attach to my account. Like does that mean Disney won't be allowed to link out or be allowed to do a link thing for here? Like, there's rules and, and hairs to be split in Apple's court of, of App Store.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the original thing that happened here, if you go way back, is uh, if you were in, like, say, the Kindle app and you wanted to buy a book, they wouldn't let you do it in the app. So they would just open up a web view. And Or they would kick you over to Safari, uh, you know, and then Mm. you'd buy it in Safari, you go back and you're done. Um, And Apple didn't want that. And so they were disallowed from doing that. And so you just couldn't buy books in the Kindle app and they couldn't, there was just no buy link there.
3: You just had to like know.
0: You just had to know. And you can continue to buy books in Kindle, right? Like that's a thing that is available to you, just not on iOS. And so you know, what qualifies as a reader app and how Apple has actually, like, split out the idea of reader apps into, like, lots of different things has gotten more and more complicated over time. And to me, the fundamental question there is, like, well, hang on, like, this category exists because you made it, right? <laughs> yeah.
3: No, it does. Like, like this all exists. Yeah. They, they Like, this is all Apple's own doing this isn't a big government that's being forced into these weird arbitrary like rules this is a giant company that can do what it wants and has done what it wants
4: this was the whole hey drama like last year was hey was like you let all these other apps exist and people can go to the website and sign up there and log in and Apple was basically like, yes, those are special apps for reading things, <laughs> yeah. uh, and email apps are not reader apps. And they had to, the the end of it was, hey, added some quote unquote function so that the app did something when you downloaded it, which was yep. the distinction that Apple required for non-reader apps, and like that faded out. But it's arbitrary.
0: <laughs> well, it's been messy over the years, uh, the, uh, a related thing is like um, like Steam Link, like apps that let you access your desktop remotely have been, you know, sort of in this zone and they had to like amend the rules around that. I mean, back way up, there's an argument to be had about whether or not there should be competing app stores allowed. There's an argument to be had about whether or not sideloading should be allowed. But, you know, wherever you land on those arguments, I think it's pretty clear that whatever path Apple is currently on with the app store is making everybody miserable. Except for Apple, who is making somewhere above ten billion dollars a year um, on App Store, minimum. minimum.
3: Yeah, I bet there are some miserable people at Apple over this. I bet. I bet the the, the lawyers who are having to come up with these rules. Oh, at the, the lawyers last love it. Are yeah. you kidding me?
4: <laughs> where do you Where do you think that twenty billion dollars a year is from the App Store goes?
0: <laughs> they get to add letters to clauses. Oh, man, they're just having a blast. There's
3: somebody. I refuse. I, I, there's at least one person at Apple who's like,
1: ugh.
0: You know how I like to argue about whether or not things are computers and what the definition of computer is? Lawyers get to argue about what, what an enterprise service is. They want nothing more than to just have spend all day <laughs> getting high talking about what <laughs> constitutes a difference between an enterprise service and a person-to-person service.
3: I do not want to sit in on that conversation. <laughs>
0: Uh, Okay, so we mentioned uh, South Korea. We should uh, close that circle as well.
4: So this was the, in theory, biggest thing, um, although it hasn't quite happened yet, which is that the South Korean government passed a bill, uh, which has not yet been signed into law, but it is expected to be, that would require that major platform owners, including Apple and Google, would no longer be allowed to restrict app developers to built-in payment systems. So, in theory... That would require Apple or Google to, at least in South Korea, to offer some sort of alternative payment method, either within their app stores or outside of their app stores. And if they fail to comply with that law, they could face fines of up to 3% of their South Korean revenue. Which is a lot. That's a lot. I mean, it's not as much as 30%, but I don't know if that applies to Mm -hmm. hardware and software or just software, but... Yeah, so Google has said, you know, that it costs them money to maintain the store, that it's going to figure out how to reflect on how to comply with this law while maintaining its model. <laughs> oh, my God. Hang on. Should
1: we just...
0: We'll reflect on how to comply with this law while maintaining a model that supports a high-quality operating system and App Store, and we'll share more in the coming weeks. I mean, share more in the coming weeks is like – that's like – I mean, they might as well have said it's early days with this new law. But man, we'll reflect on how to comply with this law is like, man, you just got smacked by an entire country. And your answer is, we're going to go like, we'll think about it.
4: <laughs> I mean, if the fine is only to software and the fine is up to 3% and you make 30%, then <laughs> that math doesn't quite work out. Uh, and then what was
0: Apple's reaction? I'm sure they were also very pleased.
4: So Apple's reaction, uh, they'd given us a statement before the law was passed. Uh, they didn't respond to requests um, afterwards, mm-hmm. uh, at least in this post on, on The Verge. But the response before was they were protesting it. They said it would undermine privacy protections, make it difficult to manage purchase, and, you know, make all the things that make the App Store good less effective. That App Store purchases will decrease and there'll be fewer opportunities for the, you know, 400,000 plus developers in South in Korea who make you know, trillions of Korean won with with Apple to date. So they're not happy either. They haven't said what they're going to do or how they're going to do it. I imagine like Google they're they're probably figuring something out. But again, if this does pass, it would only be in South Korea. But it could be the sort of thing that could very much influence legislation in other countries mm-hmm. um, if it does pass, and if it does force the kind of changes that it sounds like it will.
3: Will we get a Samsung app store? On the iPhone.
0: <laughs> well, so that that's not what this is quite about. This is, I mean, this is like an anti-Google bill primarily, but right. it's also yeah. like, this is about, you could maybe use Samsung Pay inside
4: the App Store. That could be fun. This is like when you're checking out at the App Store instead of paying through Apple. Oh, it's
3: just the payment systems. It's not the whole App Store.
4: It's that you won't be restricted to using built-in payment platforms. So if you're, you know, buying a thing, you'll be able to use a different payment solution in theory.
0: Right. Do you think they could, like... In order to get a payment solution on your app store, it has to be approved, and if you, in the process of getting approved, they still get a cut.
4: That could be it. Like, uh, I assume I assume that the lawyers at both Apple and Google are are enjoying themselves immensely, trying to figure out, <laughs> <picking> through <laughs> the opportunities, <to laughs> picking through the way that this will will go down. But yeah. if nothing else, it's definitely a very interesting development, uh, and probably the biggest concrete development from like a actual government. That is passed as a bill that will likely be signed into law to, you know, start to regulate this.
0: Yeah, a, a very real regulation that, that they're going to have to react to. And I do not think either, either company is going to react by, like, just bailing on the country, right? They're going to have to do something. And so yeah. we will have a real concrete example in the world of an app store on one of these two giant platforms that accepts payments that aren't run by that platform. And, like, yeah. we'll just be able to point to that whenever we
4: feel like it, whenever it makes an argument. We'll be like, yeah, but they're, they're doing it in Korea. I mean, they also do a lot of things in Korea, like have cheap internet that we don't do. So <sighs> it's it's possible that won't be that compelling of a thing to cause change, but, yeah. you know,
0: hopefully it will. I mean, look, we, we'll build trains that, uh, you know, go fast, and we'll have infrastructure, and then we'll also have multiple payment systems and app stores. Someday. Someday. Oh, by the way, as long as we're talking about app stores, I do need to disclose that my wife works for Oculus and, in particular, on their app store. I have no idea what she does, but now I've I've said that. You get to mark that off your bingo card. The other sort of app policy thing, which is, I guess, not really related to any of this at all, but we could draw lines if we really wanted to, is Apple started showing a pop-up in its own apps asking permission to show personalized ads, which is different from the pop-ups that they are making third-party apps do for app tracking
4: so there are different pop-ups apple has let you opt out of this before like this has been a thing you could do before you just mm-hmm. had to like dig through menus and now it is putting it uh up front in front of everyone uh similar to how it does for other developers again it's a different type of tracking tracking uh, because Apple by default doesn't share it with third parties like hadn't been doing that before because it's a first party right um, so this is just Apple Apple giving itself its own version of this, which is a positive change like when it released the thing last year, it was like we don't need to put one of these for our apps because we don't do that and the you know right argument was well, you do do this and it's just good that they're putting it putting it more front and center after you know, making everyone else ask last year for their type of tracking.
3: What apps would you see it in?
4: Uh, So it was for things like the App Store. App Store will use personalized ads, Apple News, uh, personalized ads based on the things that you search for in the App Store, based on the news that you you search for in Apple News.
0: Yet another thing that makes lots of people, developers especially, very angry, uh, the policies and the way that works. Mm -hmm. But I don't think we we have time to get into that. (laughs) All right. Very last thing. Apple has announced that Arizona and Georgia are going to be the first states that are going to enable the ability to use your iPhone as your ID when you go through the airport at TSA.
3: Absolutely not. This hasn't
0: launched yet. This hasn't happened yet. But, uh, Alex, you just said absolutely not. Tell me more.
3: <laughs> I just – that terrifies me. One of the things I've always been told is you you never give your – if you get pulled over by the cops, you never give them your whole wallet, Right. Yep. you give them your ID because if you give them their whole your whole wallet, they can take your money. They can look through all your cards. They can take whatever's in there. You've you've mm-hmm. given it to them. It's the equivalent of saying, "Sure, officer, come into my house and look around." And technically, this thing with the phones is there. 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 It's. It's not supposed to be quite the same, right? Like right. there. There's. There's protections in place. You unlock. You have to biometrically unlock the phone to show the ID. Yep. And then the rest of it's still biometrically locked.
0: I I got a chance to ask Apple some questions about this, some of which uh, are... We'll tell you later the answers, and some of which uh, helped clarify things now. Uh, so the way that this is meant to work is you do a special scan of your driver's license. You do a special scan of your head where you're moving your head around so they can prove you're you know, <laughs> yeah. a real person and someone didn't just steal your driver's license or you're not being held hostage or something. I don't know. Um, and then you get this ID on your phone that is secure, stored locally on your phone, and doesn't display any information whatsoever. And then when someone wants to check your ID, they have a, a reader and with an NFC chip on it, and you tap your phone on the NFC chip, and the reader says, I would like to know this person's name, their date of birth, and their age, or I would like to know this person's name and their eye color, right, or whatever yeah. it is. And then your screen pops up and says, this terminal is requesting this information. And then you have to use a biometric unlock. Now, what's interesting about this is it only works with one finger. And so I, it is a different sort of, it's still using a bunch of the same security stuff as like a standard touch ID or face ID. But it's not like it's you can like enter your pin. It's, it's, it's a little bit more, you know, locked down than that. It will only work with one biometric key, like your one face or one finger. And then when you do that, only that information gets transferred. And the so like in theory, if you're getting carded, you know, to buy alcohol, the only thing it would know is that you're over twenty-one and no other information will get transferred. Now, okay, this all sounds nice. Like we have this idea that we should get rid of the wallet and put it on the phone. And so Apple built a bunch of ideas and protections around how to do this. They're following a standard. There's an ISO standard that they're following to do this, Mm -hmm. and Google's actually working on similar things on a similar standard. Uh, But one thing that Google has said is that built into their spec on Android is that when you start this procedure, your phone goes into lockdown mode so that your biometric cannot unlock the phone. Um, And it's unclear whether that or not that happens with this process. Oh, okay. Mm. Now, this this is my whole thing is especially with iPhones with Face ID um, or iPhones with Face ID where you've got it paired up to your Apple Watch, I would say that nine times out of 10, the phone was just unlocked and I don't know how it happened, yeah. right? It's just like, oh, yeah. duh, no, the phone's unlocked. Um, that is the opposite of what yeah. I want to happen when I'm anywhere near a cop or a TSA agent. Yes. I, want that, yeah. I want to know that phone is locked and it's not going to get unlocked unless I do a very intentional, specific action to unlock it. Yeah, Yeah, and
3: and it's only biometric, right? So you can't do because I know a lot of people don't have biometrics on their phone. They don't use that for this purpose because they don't want a cops to be like, face, go.
0: There it will be an accessibility option to use a pin for this process if you would prefer not to use biometric. And Apple's positioning it as specifically an accessibility option, not a um, you know, if you hate using biometric option.
3: Okay. So, so we can actually, like, that, that makes me feel a little better. But still, that just, I don't want my phone, my whole phone with all of my data and stuff. I'm not doing anything weird on it. But, you know, I still don't want the cops having access to it. There's also nothing weird in my wallet. I'm still not going to give them my whole wallet if I get pulled over.
4: Yeah, like, there's a built-in feature on iOS to, like, Disable Face ID temporarily. If you hold the power button and one of the volume buttons, and it pushes you to the power menu, like it will disable Face ID, and you have to use a passcode. But it's interesting that it doesn't sound like this will work for that. Well, it's unclear,
0: Uh, and we've got time before it rolls out. And uh, from speaking to Apple, I get the impression that they're aware of this thing and they want to make sure that uh, that there's no accidental unlocks. Mm -hmm. But fundamentally. There's so much information on your phone. Anytime it gets anywhere near law enforcement, I think there's reason to like be very, very concerned. And yeah. the dream of getting rid of your wallet, I don't know if it rises to the level of, sure. Yeah, no, I, I definitely hate carrying my wallet. Like, I, I tried to not carry like house keys for a minute. I was like, yeah, I'm going to use smart locks. It'll be great. Yeah, that lasted about three days. And now I have a house key on me because you never know, like the Bluetooth might fail or whatever.
3: You know what the real solution here is? A hmm. wallet case for your phone. <laughs> you it sticks on with magnets. Yeah. Like, you're. it's right there. The, the, yeah. the MagSafe is right there. Come on, do it.
0: So there's, there's one other piece of this, which is the TSA. It, when you scan your phone, that, that's a computer. And so the TSA's yeah. computer knows that you were there. When you just hand your driver's license over, um, you're in an airport, you're being tracked in a thousand different ways or whatever. You've done a boarding pass. But in other contexts... Just flashing your driver's license to a human is not a is not sufficient to log your presence at that place and time, and this scan could be. And so it's there's a whole back end to this of who's making these scanners, is there a secure supply chain? Do you trust the companies that run the software to not keep logs on that stuff? I don't know. Is it possible to make a skimmer? Like probably not because it sets up a, an encrypted Bluetooth connection, but. I don't know. People are smart and clever. So there's an entire other part of this conversation that has nothing to do with the weird practicalities of whether or not your phone is unlocked in the presence of a TSA agent that we don't have the complete answers to. There's, like, there's an industry group for this, and I think it's called Kantara, and there's, like, there's a whole bunch of stuff there, but um, explaining all of that is work that hasn't been done to a sufficient level that I think the average citizen should be comfortable with this. A hundred percent. Well, on that bright and shiny note, we're going to talk about more exciting things like surfaces. We're going to be right back.
1: Support for this podcast comes from Canva. They say Rome wasn't built in a day, but you know what you can get built in a day? Your creative deck. You can generate creative decks to use for all your important presentations with Canva. Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. You want a sales presentation for a tech company? Done. Create an employee onboarding plan? No problem. Just type it in and watch Canva work its magic. You'll have generated options in seconds. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver at work. So whatever you do at your job, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck.
0: We're back, and we have fall hardware season. Samsung has kicked it off a little bit with its fold and stuff, but uh, the rest of it is just in gear, we're expecting. iPhone announcements soon. Google had rumors that it was going to launch the Pixel in September, but that was ridiculous, (laughs) Uh, so that'll that'll happen when it happens. But we have official announcements. There's going to be a Surface event on September 22nd, and there's going to be a Windows 11 release on October 5th. And I'm very hyped, I think... I'm not sure. What are we expecting at the Surface event?
3: It sounds like we're we're gonna get the the Duo two.
4: The Duo. Okay.
3: And and I I like. Oh liked...
4: my god! Hang on! How I just say that again? It's the Surface two o.
0: am no. So sorry everybody.
3: No. I mean I'm the one that, made
0: that that called attention to it, so I'm I'm obviously happy, but. Uh,
3: <laughs> okay. All right. So the Surface two o. Um. That's <laughs> it's done and it's over.
4: You can use that for free, Microsoft. It's not too late. But I mean, what else? What else we got coming?
0: There must be new surfaces, right? Just plain old surfaces.
3: Okay, so there's rumors that there's going to be a new Surface Book. The laptop, laptop, laptop. The laptop, laptop. Yeah, yeah. the laptop, laptop. And there won't be called the Surface Book 4 because we're on Mm. the fourth one. And this is the part that really had me staring off into the distance. It won't have a detachable screen, which is like the reason the Surface Book exists, Right.
4: So, the rumor is not a detachable screen, but it will have like some sort of tilting, flipping forward, cool pull forward kind of screen, similar to the Surface Studio, is the rumor, and that it might not necessarily be called the Surface Book.
0: It might be called the Surface Laptop Pro to go along with the Surface Laptop, yeah. which is the, the laptop, 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 whereas this is the laptop, tablet, laptop. I had
4: yeah. that wrong before. Right. Sure.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
4: I'm all for wacky screen designs. Go yeah. for it, Microsoft.
3: This this has never been a device you like buy because you just need a laptop. This is the Surface Book has always been something you buy because it's really cool and it's like yeah. it's trying something different. Yeah, and I love the aspirations.
0: So the Surface Book had the snake hinge, the metal yeah. snake hinge. Is yeah. it, what, what animal is going to inspire the the flippy, <laughs> you know, twisty thing on the on the new one?
3: Um, Ooh, maybe like a an ocelot <laughs> just cause. just cuz <laughs> they seem fun it'll be I an otter s- they're
4: flexible yeah like a, like a snake like a uh, no we did snake <laughs> like a cartoon giraffe with like a with like
3: <laughs> a <laughs> like, what's what's bindi it'll be mm-hmm. something It'll be. I, I think it'll be. I, mm-hmm. I honestly think it'll be kind of neat. I'm. I'm a little excited about it, just because I love when Microsoft kind of swings for the fences, and the duo O mm-hmm. doesn't sound like a big swing for the fences. Despite the, f- yeah. I think. Well, it existing is a swing for the fence because the right. duo was not great or mm-hmm. not great enough. Nobody really liked it. So, like its existence is kind of impressive, but.
0: Yeah, Yeah. it is impressive that they're they're taking another swing at it. It's funny that I'm bummed about the fact that the rumor is that there's going to be like a camera bump on the back with like proper cameras because the camera on the first uh, duo was utter trash. But you can't have a bump on the duo. (laughs) Well, yeah, because the whole point is you're going to like set it down. Right, You got to do stuff yeah. with it. You need to use a Surface Pen on it. And you got to fold it all the way around into phone mode. And then that the bump is there. And then mm-hmm.
3: you won't. You'll have the little gap. And now you're just this flip.
0: Nobody did it. Right. Nobody must have used it in like single screen mode because yeah. otherwise they would they would know not to put
4: a bump there. Right. Or there's a cutout on the on the other back, just oh like a no. dimple, and no. then it can lie no. flush again. This is just ruining not. it.
3: No, I don't like that. I'm willing
4: bad hardware designs into existence. <laughs> oh, my God.
3: I don't like it. Stop it. I'll
4: be
0: curious to see what they do with multitasking. They had the most promising idea of how to move Windows around yeah. uh, and the worst implementation, <laughs> and Samsung really— really upped their game with the Z Fold 3 in terms of moving Windows around. It's not perfect. Uh, It's still sometimes hard to grab those lozenges or whatever, but I hope that what Microsoft does feels about as good as what Samsung does and that they, like, operate in similar ways because, like I said before, I think I said this last year, we're cruising towards fragmentation and, like, multi-screen and weird-screen Android devices where they just operate completely differently, and that is terrifying.
3: Is that going to be a segue into talking about Windows 11?
0: No, we, we, we need to just point out that there's going to be a Surface Pro. It's oh, yeah. in the teaser image.
5: Yeah.
0: Please just make two things. One, what I, what I want in my heart is just another version of the Surface Pro X with a good ARM processor, but we all know that's not going to happen. <laughs> Right. Let it go. Maybe. Maybe.
4: Apple figured it out. Someone else is going to maybe figure it out
0: eventually. Yeah.
3: Where are they going to get their processors? Because Qualcomm has, it, has to figure it out.
0: Well, and Windows has to figure it out, working faster on it as well, and uh, its various emulation modes.
4: Microsoft makes Windows. Like, they have smart people. Like, they've designed chips before. Like, they designed chips for an Xbox. They can figure this out. Right. Maybe.
0: I mean, we're on. It'll be the third one if they do one. Uh, but they'll they'll be just a standard Surface Pro. And in my, if I can't have the one thing I want in my heart, what I want is a Surface Pro X design, but with an Intel processor. Just kill the bezels, give us a bigger screen, give us sicker looking hardware, but keep the same basic idea of the Surface Pro with the hinge and the keyboard, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't. I'm not looking to reinvent the wheel. I'm just looking for a much, much prettier wheel.
3: Mm. Right. And no AMD, right? I haven't heard anything about AMD for this one. I think I think we're still in Intel land. Maybe, probably. Maybe
4: Microsoft Microsoft had did have like AMD versions of of some of the other Surface laptops. Yeah. So yeah. like it's possible, but I would take it. Yeah,
0: I would absolutely take it. Okay, so they'll be launching all these surfaces and they'll be showing off Windows 11. But Windows 11 will officially launch, uh, you know, a couple of weeks later on October 5th. And when that happens, you'll. Be either buying a brand new computer to get Windows 11, updating your very recent computer you bought for the pandemic to Windows 11, or
3: there's ISO. You can do an ISO.
0: Or what? Oh my God! Yeah. Walk us through what has been going on with the Windows 11 update situation. This is just a, a rolling fiasco.
3: You know, I'm I'm still trying to grasp it myself. Hi, Please feel free to correct me as I go on this journey. As I take us on this journey. I'm not confident of it, but it's okay because Microsoft isn't confident of it. I think (laughs) Microsoft is figuring out day to day what's going to be happening with it. Windows 11 was announced months and months and months ago, and they announced these really, really complex system requirements. It was just, you have to be a computer engineer basically to understand if your computer was going to work or not. Not very consumer friendly. And... They then said, well, the reason that this isn't consumer friendly, the reason why so many of these old computers aren't going to be working is because we want Windows 11 to be more secure. We want it to work with these TPM modules that are only found on later products. Okay. Great. That made sense. But then they said, but actually, (laughs) you know, maybe we can get Windows 11 running on these older devices. And, you know, if you were on the beta, you can actually run Windows 11 on a lot of these older unsupported devices. This week, they told all the Windows 11 folks that are running on unsupported devices that, hey, the beta's ending, go back to Windows 10, you definitely won't be able to do this in the future. They then said, but also we found from this beta that actually some stuff that we said couldn't run can probably run And it was some old Xeon processors, and I think uh, Intel seven, some Intel seven chip.
4: Intel Core X X series and Intel Xeon W series are now both supported officially, and the chip that's in the Surface Studio two, which is probably a good one to have if you're Microsoft.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, because that was the that was a wild thing about this, like their own stuff, like built by Microsoft to show how good Windows works. Couldn't run this new system. So they figured out that that can all work. Right. Which is yeah. a wonderful situation. I have completely lost my thread.
0: Well, I think Microsoft has lost the thread. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah.
3: Like, it's just all over the place. And this is something Haim and I were talking about the other day with, like, the Nintendo Switch or something like that and Mm -hmm. Bluetooth, right? And how Bluetooth can maybe work better on a Switch, but maybe Nintendo, we don't know for sure. We don't have any conversation. But maybe it can't actually because that would be too complex. There would be too much fragmentation. It would be too difficult for the consumer. And then over here is Microsoft saying, nope, Nothing is too difficult for the consumer. We believe in your ability to parse all of these really confusing things we're releasing out into the space. Which is like, thank you for the confidence. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I don't think most consumers are going to get this. And they are doing, they're they're making some attempts, right? They've got new software out that will say if your device will run on it, which is really nice. They should have probably released that months ago when they announced this. I, I think when I went to see if my the computer I built would work on it, I had to go find some guy on, like, GitHub who'd built a little software. It worked great, yeah. I think. I haven't booted <laughs> my Windows 11 computer in a while. Yeah. They, I may have been kicked out of the beta. We'll find out. But, yeah, this was just an absolute mess. And then they were doing some, like, back and forth on it this week as well.
4: Yeah. Microsoft told everyone that it won't stop you from installing Windows 11 on older PCs. So if you use the upgrade tool and, you know, it says that you're good and you have a new chip or whatever, you're good to go. You hit the button. It downloads the update. You'll get Windows 11. Everything will be great. Sweet. But if you don't, if you have an old computer, Microsoft was like today, guess what? you can download an ISO file and you know you can install it manually and you put know, it on like 50 floppy disks yes! spread across run through the installation <laughs> process awesome Love too it. and then so long as you have a 64-bit one gigahertz processor with two or more cores four gigabytes of RAM and 64 gigabytes of storage you yeah. can install Windows 11.
0: great it'll suck but you're on your own and go for it wait awesome.
4: it gets it gets better <laughs> no wait but or... we're no, we're in awesome land stop no 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> Because Microsoft then told us shortly after uh, that while you'll be able to do that, you won't get Windows updates from that copy of Windows 11. Uh,
3: it's totally under
4: potentially even even security updates. So they had a whole briefing where they told Tom, like, you know, you'll be able to install it on, on an ISO. And then like they just said later, like not mentioning this, by the way, <laughs> there won't be security updates. Maybe.
3: I just spend a lot of time thinking about the philosophy behind this, because the whole philosophy behind we are limiting what we can update was security, right? Like they said it was all about security. And now they're saying, but actually, it isn't about security. Put it on what you want. And it seems like this was a lot about the impact of users who were complaining, right? Like they were saying, let me put it on whatever I want. And so they're finally giving us that. But also making a much more unsecure ecosystem, which means all these computers that do get it. Although, how many people are going to actually go out and download an ISO?
0: Well, it's unclear. But like the other thing, you're not getting is Android apps, right? Because they're not going to have that at launch.
3: Yeah, that that was the other thing they they said they said okay, we're going to do Android apps. They're going to be great. It's going to be this was a big part of the Windows 11 announcement, and now they've come back and they said it's still coming. It's just not coming immediately and that's kind of a big launch thing to hold back it's not like it's probably i feel like it might be worse than when apple was like deep fusion's coming well well
4: i mean if we're talking about apple there's also a lot of stuff that they've been slowly but steadily cutting from ios 15 for launch but that might be a different (laughs) different conversation but yeah, they're they're saying that they'll start with a preview in the coming months, and they haven't even said when, like for for Windows Insiders, and then like you know the the mass general rollout mm-hmm. sometime probably months after that. So we're probably looking sometime in 2022 um, before even like you know the the early testing. Yeah, uh, and then even later. You know what? Good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm, having having lived through all of the betas and iterations of Android and Chrome OS, do not ship it until it is very good. Just yeah. don't do it. We'll be fine without Android apps on Windows. I, I want them. They'll be fun. I want to watch me some TikTok on my desktop. Don't get me wrong. You can do that now anyway, but whatever. Um, but just don't launch it till it's ready. I beg you. And then for, you know, older computers, the thing I don't understand is why not just make like, Windows 10 super cool final edition. You get these four features that are gonna be in Windows 11 so you don't feel left out. And we're gonna support it for as long as we will support Windows 10. And then, you know, like call it Windows 10 instead of Windows 11 to sort of denote that it doesn't have the higher security level and the other things that are in Windows 11. But just like toss a couple of Windows features its way and call it like the the end of life edition or whatever.
4: Why not do that? Because that's not going to get you to buy a new computer, which is the <laughs> business that Microsoft and its OEM partners are in.
3: But but see, that's the thing, though. <laughs> if that was the reason, then why not just stick to your guns and say, no, you can't do it. We're not putting it on this old stuff. It's not secure. We don't feel comfortable. You don't like it. Buy a new computer. Like, they just went to this weird wishy-washy.
4: I mean, they're pretty much still saying that. They're, they're basically saying... Well, if you really want to and you're willing to risk maybe not getting security updates, ominous music, then you can try it. But really just buy a new processor, buy a new yeah. laptop. Maybe and one of these new surfaces that we're announcing.
0: It's like a it's like a corny horror movie where they're just like Microsoft's just sitting in the audience yelling, don't go in there. But really they want you to go in there uh, and get get murdered. Okay, well, we are going to see what the surfaces are. I'm, I am excited for them. I'm also excited for Windows 11. We had promised at the beginning of the show that there would be fun stuff, and it's time to talk about the fun
2: stuff when we come back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference.
0: You know what's fun?
3: Satellites. Satellites. Yeah. <laughs> what? I love it.
0: What is going on with this rumor with the iPhone 13?
3: This was my favorite rumor to find on Sunday. I think it came out of Ming-Chi Kuo. I believe mm-hmm. is how you say his name. He's an analyst. And he said that there's going to be satellite connectivity in the iPhone 13, probably. And he's a very well-noted ad- analyst. He's up there with Gurman and his ability to like kind of anticipate what Apple's going to do. So usually if he says something's going to happen, it's very likely it's going to happen even though eventually. He was saying satellites yeah. on the iPhone 13. And a lot of people ran with it. We covered I personally wrote a story about how maybe, maybe. they were coming. And I, I remember that day I was I was spending a lot of time trying to figure out how that was going to work. And I spent a lot of hours. Mm-hmm. Searching, trying to understand what was happening here. And I, I put the story up, and about two hours later, everybody started pointing out that actually it was all wrong, <laughs> which is really great oh, to find. But I'm glad we learned. Uh, I'm glad we, I, I, I was a learning experience for me and a lot of other people, mainly our readers. Thank you all. You're wonderful.
0: But, but then there was another turn. <laughs>
3: Another turn. This was my favorite part. Is we were sitting there, we're working on it. We're writing this, we're writing this like corrected story, updated story, because we had new information saying, okay, maybe the satellite is definitely not coming to the iPhone 13. And then Gurman, Speak of the Devil, says, actually, satellites are coming to the iPhone. And there was a brief moment where we were like, Are we about to have a story saying satellites are not coming to the iPhone on the website? And immediately above it, a story that says satellites are coming to the iPhone.
4: <laughs> Space phone. Space. But there's a
0: way to square the circle, right? <sighs> like when people think sat phones, they think giant honking bricks. Yeah. But there may be a way to talk to a satellite that isn't just, you know, you think like uh, getting full data and phone calls, right? Right. Yeah. That's how we square the circle.
3: Right. This is this is the thing. There's this company called Global Star. And right now a lot of their business is in these low earth orbiting satellites. And that was where a lot of the initial confusion kind of cropped up from was that they have this other thing as well. They're really into the satellites. They've got this whole satellite technology. They also own this one band of internet that will eventually be used for 5G. It's been approved for 5G, but nobody's using anything for it. Qualcomm earlier this year said, we'll build a, a modem that will spe- use this band. But it's a terrestrial band. It's, it's not in space at all. It is totally on the ground. And so they have these two competing things. And that, I think, is what led to a lot of my confusion and a lot of the general public's confusion on this subject.
0: But it seems as though it might be used for, like, emergency texting, which is a thing that is theoretically possible on something the size of an iPhone. That's
3: different. That's different.
0: Oh, God. That's something completely different.
3: (laughs) Yeah. So so, so the N53 is just a terrestrial band of 5G, and probably iPhone might be able to speak with it with the – The new iPhone 13 might have a custom Qualcomm modem that will be able to speak with this totally terrestrial, not-in-satellite band.
0: So, fundamentally boring story. Satellite band getting reapportioned to 5G. The iPhone will be able to talk to at the end.
3: Yeah. Global Star. Great. But earlier this year, Global Star had also signed a contract with someone to do satellite communications. And they didn't say who, who. And German came out and was like, it was probably... Apple
1: mm-hmm. and
3: Apple, because Apple has been working on this other thing where you'll be able to send texts. Right. In a future iPhone, definitely, almost certainly, probably not the iPhone 13, but in an iPhone down the line that uh-huh. has a lot more power because you need a lot of power to actually reach space, even with just frequencies. Mm-hmm. That will get the ability to sort of communicate, maybe via satellite. Probably. Great. Possibly. Yeah.
0: Well, I look forward to texting. Uh, I'm using iMessage on my phone to get emergencies long, long, long before Apple supports uh, communicating with Android phones via RCS.
3: Yeah. That's, I'm sorry. It's all right.
0: <laughs> We've got like more watch rumors. We finally are, like, it seems really clear that the early rumors, um, including from John Prosser, uh, credit were due, that it's going to be like a squarish design, uh, or it looks true. Squaresh
4: design, Big. bigger screens. Yeah, 40, 41 and 45 millimeters. So mm-hmm. their second second design really ever for the watch, or the third real design really for the watch after the original version. And then the, the bigger design introduced with the Series 4, I want to say.
3: Am I the only one getting upset by the size creep? Is this just a me problem?
0: It depends on if the casing is bigger. If the case is about the same size and they just managed to make the screen bigger by reducing bezels, then... I don't have a problem with
4: it.
3: I thought the the forty one millimeter I thought that's usually referring to the case itself.
4: Yeah, so Bloomberg Bloomberg says that it does refer to the physical dimension of the case. Blomp, blomp. Um, Aww. So the forty five refer to the vertical dimension of the case, so it'll be I mean the current one's forty four millimeters, so it's yeah. going up to, to forty five. Um, but it'll have it'll have a bigger screen, so We'll have to see how it looks, is is the thing. And we might have to wait a bit because apparently they're having trouble making them. Chip shortage comes for us all. Not necessarily chip shortage. It is oh. complexities in its design uh, and manufacturing issues, and that they've just been having issues with satisfactory performance, uh, production performance.
0: Oh, so the air power team got uh, reassigned to the Apple Watch, <laughs> is what you're saying?
4: And the case says that um, that production has been temporarily halted, uh, and that Apple might actually be, you know, delaying them towards later in the year. So wow. it could be like the opposite of last year, where the iPhones were delayed. Uh, from, you know, various COVID and manufacturing things. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had an Apple Watch event without an iPhone. So this year it's possible we have an iPhone event first without an Apple Watch.
0: Right. Sure. Okay. Um,
3: or maybe that's why we haven't heard of an Apple event yet. I think we normally would have heard by now.
0: It's got to be real soon, right? Yeah. yeah. It, it's got to be really soon. And it's going to be not in person. It has to be. I yeah. can't imagine they're going to do it in person. Microsoft no. is doing it in person. I don't think they're ready. No. Apple also bought a classical music streaming service called Primephonic. I am very dumb about uh, classical music and also classical music streaming services, so I cannot speak to the implications of this. But if you care, I'm just saying that we are where it happened. Uh, and, and I don't know. Hi, I'm Alex. Do you have any feelings on this?
4: I know that classical music fans are very picky about music streaming services yeah. and, like, the way things are sorted. Apple Music and and the app formerly known as iTunes did have, like, additional views and fields that you can use. You have, like, composer fields. There's, like, sorting views that you can only use that are, like, designed for classical music to, like, show you based on composer. Mm -hmm. So I assume this is more of that. And I think it's great for classical music fans and and fans of classical music.
3: I mean, I'm a classical music fan that I didn't know this existed. But I've spent the last many, many years being upset with how all of the the streaming works with classical music. Because a lot of times you care about the composer, but you also care about who's performing. Right. And where they're performing. Those are all matters. And a lot of times I'll be like, oh, man, I really want to listen to Rachmaninoff's, you know, number two or whatever. And... All It's all the garbage recordings. And I'm like, no, I just want to find this one specific recording and it's mm. a nightmare to do. So if this in any way helps that and, and makes it more viable so I don't have to continue to use music files that I definitely acquired legally <laughs> in the 2000s, long, long time ago, great.
0: I want to put Samsung to bed. I put up my take on the Z Flip 3. Samsung took some of its good software stuff and backported it to older Folds and Flips. Uh, But the thing that's interesting to me... Is One, it looks like they might be making a Galaxy S21 FE, which is hilarious because they weren't supposed to need to do that because they made the, ga- the regular Galaxy S21 relatively low-end, uh, which is another sign that the S21 has not been selling well. Um, and I think Samsung is just going to become a folding phone company. That's, yeah. that's what they want in their hearts. They said that they had more pre-orders for the Z Fold 3 and Z Flip 3 than they had total sales for other Galaxy Z devices. Wow. Yeah. So uh, relative hit. We have no—I I mean, these are Bezos numbers. We have no idea. But if they've had like tanking sales on their like classic flagship phones, and they're finally having something happen here with their folding phones, I, I have to imagine they're ju- they're just going to go
4: all in. Yeah, I mean, the the two questions are: Can you make it cheap enough? Mm-hmm. Right now, right now, the cheapest one of these is still a thousand dollar phone, and like Samsung does really great business with its you know mid range and budget phones. So like. You have to get get to that point. And it took a while to get there for regular smartphones. And I think it's going to take some time before they get that down there, too, just because I think folding screens are expensive. I don't <laughs> yes, know for- they're very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> they sound expensive.
3: I like it as a delineation between like your mid-range phone and your flagship, because right now the big thing for yeah. me, at least, was the flagships just had better cameras. And I'm like, yeah. okay, now there's something actually cool. This feels flagship to me. This feels like, you know, when I go and meet up with my friends, I can't be like, look how cool this camera is. I mean, I can, but that's and much then, less and entertaining. And will than
0: ignore like, you. <laughs> yeah.
3: But like, look, it flips. They're going to be like, yeah, I'll buy you a drink.
0: Yeah, I definitely know that feeling of, of trying to make people be impressed with uh, things, uh, and they're not. Um, I actually – can I just say – uh, I once tried to impress a professor in, like, 2000, 2001, with a camera module for a handspring visor, and it was, a, like, a black and white screen, and they were not having it. They were like, that's great, Dieter. I'm like, no, this is the future, and they're like, sure it is.
1: I was right,
0: You were it right. didn't You're vindicated. matter because it was 2000. You did it! <laughs> I mean, this is my whole thing about, um, like, our talking about fashion and gadgets is, if all phones basically do the same thing, uh, eventually differentiating on camera quality and build quality for flagship phones gets less interesting. And so we might be going back to a place where you can actually differentiate on form factor and look. Yeah. Um, and yeah. That, that is Actually, good news. It's not. It's not just like a a surface. Oh, they. When companies used to try and do fashion, HTC did this. Uh, They made like the purple phone. I forget what it was called. It's gorgeous. It was pink washing. They were like, oh yeah, no, it's fashion because it's got a color and it's going to appeal to women. And we're like, yeah, but you're not actually thinking this through very well, are you? And so it, it failed. And now I think that we're getting to a place where maybe these companies sort of understand the way the fashion industry works, and they understand how like, you know capitalism and consumerism works and they might be able to actually do something interesting with making phones that uh, have a differentiator that's other than just their camera and their processor speed. Um, That's something about the way they look or the way they they function in like a fashionable way instead of just a bigger screen way.
3: I love it. You did a whole blog on it too. The great one. I did a blog. Yeah. I love it. It was good. Go read it guys.
0: All right. Lightning round. I think we each get like one or two fun things. And we can't do sad things. I refuse to do sad things. We're not going to talk about low cast having to get oh, shut down.
3: I loved no. it. <sighs> it was such a cool service.
0: Okay, if you're not, so if you're not familiar, it was a service where you could stream your local TV stations, and they took donations, and the, they got sued into oblivion because those donations were, you know, they're saying, oh, you're making a profit off of it. What makes me mad about this is I always knew the service exists, and I was like, oh, I should use that, and then I never got around to it, and now it's gone.
3: It was built right into the Channels app, if you've ever used that. It's a DVR for Apple TV. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I actually interviewed the CEO of Locast months and months ago before I worked at The Verge. And he was just a really cool guy. He was just out there trying to like stick it to the man while also providing reasonably affordable <laughs> TV streaming. And he absolutely <laughs> knew this. He never said this. But I definitely got the sense he knew this was a possibility and a probability. Yeah. So.
0: Heavy sigh.
3: Heavy sigh.
0: Let's talk about there's a a slightly new PS5 model that weighs less.
4: So there's a slightly new PS5 model that weighs less and has a smaller heatsink, which was like big news over the weekend.
3: That seems bad.
4: It's not entirely clear, like if this is bad, Um, there were people doing analysis back and forth. So it comes a lot down to like how this will actually, you know, work in practice. There was people arguing back and forth both ways. I don't think there's really any like anecdotal things yet because these are still the new models still very much like shipping out. Um, So we're either like a couple months away from like mass. Oh, my God, my new new model PS5 burst into flames or this being a total non-issue. My gut is that Sony probably knows what it's doing. Like, they didn't yeah. just stick a smaller heat sink in here so that this thing will burst into flames for no reason. But
3: Did they stick it in there? Like, is it just to cheaper for shipping, or...?
4: I assume cheaper for shipping, maybe cheaper for manufacturing.
3: Hopefully I won't be able to bake cookies on it.
4: Yeah, hopefully your PS5 won't burst into flames. But if it does, and you bought a new one in Japan in the last week... um, uh, you might yeah, have a reason. That, that, that might be why.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, Bose uh, is made new headphones.
3: Bose got the new QuietComfort 45s. Okay. And it's Bose. So guess what you can't hear? Anything when you wear these headphones. <laughs> it's going to be great. But what really appealed to me was 24 hours of battery life. I think that's something we've really kind of struggled to see right. from Bluetooth headphones. And especially from these big ones.
0: They're classic Quiet Comforts, not like their new 700
4: series. Yeah. It's a little more plasticky, the lower end. These are still the plasticky, that that design, but...
3: These look like the ones you see every guy in business class settling onto his head as you walk by him, annoyed that you're not mm-hmm. in business class. And yeah, it's for me, it really is that, that better 24-hour battery life. Chris Welch also actually thought the noise cancelling was better in this and the transparency mode, which I haven't personally gotten to check out. But anything can be better than what's currently happening in all headphones in the transparency mode space because they're all terrible.
4: Wait, wait, wait. I get one thing, which is that the QC45s have USB-C. That's all.
3: Oh, no, no, no.
0: <laughs> You're missing the most. You, you all have missed the most important feature mm. of these headphones. They have a physical goddamn on-off switch. Yeah! They have physical buttons for volume and all the other stuff, but you could just turn them off without doing a long press dance and listening for the tone and whatever, whatever. You can just flick the switch and you're done.
3: I love it. So Very exciting. This is this is Sony. Your move, Sony.
0: <laughs> Something for everyone in this one. I want to talk about, for the last thing for me, Schaefer, Schaeffler, it's German, has made a new kind of bike component. It is a chainless drive system, and it is the cleverest thing that I have seen in a month. So you got your pedals, you know, at your crank, and you pe- you pedal them, and instead of pedaling and having, a, you know, a cog that moves a chain or a, a Gates belt drive, or even a drive shaft, which is the thing that can happen on bikes, it is connected to nothing but wires because it's connected to a generator. Your pedaling powers a generator <laughs> and then it sends electricity to either a battery or a motor uh, that's on your hub, on your wheel, or, you know, both. And so you're, it's bike by wire. You are literally, you, there, there's no moving parts except for like the wheels, you know, the, the, you know, the steerer. The steer. Yeah. oh my God, the handlebars. Steer. <laughs> and, but there's no chain, there's no, there's no gears, there's no cogs, there's no thing that you've got to make sure you've got, you know, the right kind of, you know, oil on or whatever. It's just, it's literally just a hundred percent electric for the drivetrain. And I think that is
4: amazing. Can you just like bike it mechanically? Like if you turn no. the motor no. off, no. you can't there's, bike there's, anymore. Then. There's
0: no mechanical connection between the pedals and the wheel.
4: At all. So, like, if the motor, if the battery dies, no, I guess the battery can't die because it's a generator. But, like, yeah. if you don't want to use the motor you can't um, move. or the assist, you can't move.
3: Here's the crucial thing. You know in the movies where you always see somebody and there's a bike attached to a generator so they can power their whole house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> can you just attach this to the generator and go?
0: <sighs> oh, my God, yes. You can like, use this, like, like a, attach it to, like, your Tesla power wall, you know, yeah. so that you're set up for life. Think about it.
3: But how heavy is it going to be? That's the-
0: Well, and to Haim's point is if the battery is, in fact, truly dead, how much power can actually get from your pedaling from the generator through the wire to the wheeled hub to actually get you moving? Is yeah. it efficient enough to, like, not have too much power loss, not lose too many watts? Mm-hmm. People ride bikes literally thinking watts um, yeah. to, to move you, and that, who knows?
3: I, I love this because you're getting all of, like, the benefits – Of riding a bicycle, you know, the exercise and all of that. But you're also getting, like, it's going to be way easier to go up a hill. Yeah. You're not going to have to pedal faster. You're just going to pedal. That is cool.
4: Yeah, that's very cool.
3: When does it come out?
0: When it gets put in a bike, which uh, bikes are dealing with the same supply chain problems as everything else. So who knows? Forever and ever from now. But good news. It exists, and it's a clever idea. And we're going to end on good news. That, my friends, is The Vergecast. You can follow us on Twitter. I am Backlon. Alex is Alex H. Kranz with a Z. Heim is C. Gartenberg? Yep. Correct. Uh, Neelai will be back next week. You can follow him, of course, too. He is reckless. However, on Decoder, speaking of chip shortages, uh, Neelai spoke with a Harvard professor named Willie She about the multifarious causes of the chip shortage. It is the, like... Most fun and most cogent explanation of what is actually going on with chips that I have heard, you know, everything else is like shruggy. We don't know chips. And this one, we actually get into like the real reasons that there's a chip shortage and how we're going to get out of it. And the answer, uh, spoiler alert, is uh, slowly. (laughs) That's it. Uh, On a personal note, it's been a hell of a couple of weeks here in the United States with hurricanes and fires and... COVID outbreaks. And uh, for a lot of people here in the U.S., we've got a long weekend ahead of us. And if you're lucky enough to be in that group, just take a minute to like take care of yourself, take care of one other person, and just... <sighs> We're going to get through this. Rock and roll.